to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? The blackest dies. Oh, God. Come on! Welcome back to the Skewer Universe podcast. My name is Jeff. No Leanne with me this time, but we are continuing on our Guillermo del Toro spotlight series, this director spotlight thing that we're doing for the month of October. This is our second episode, and I've got somebody special here with me. We're going to talk about the 1997 film Mimic, and to help me cover this movie, we've got Brian Wolford from the Midnight Drive-In. How you doing, Brian? Hey, I uh, get the special label. <laughs> you usually get that, but it's more in a derogatory sense. Yeah. <laughs> ah, whoever said that is lying to you, man. You're special. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on, especially of to talk course. about Del Toro. Yeah, you know, we've I've been trying to get this thing going for a while, and you stepped up, a couple others have stepped up, and it's been a lot of fun getting these episodes done. So for the month of October, I don't see anything better to do than talk Del Toro. Well, every month, there's nothing better to do than talk about Del Toro. That's true. That's true. And there's there's probably enough movies of his to fill a year with really good conversations. <laughs> and just talk about projects he's had on the shelf for who knows how long. I think the only one of his I haven't seen is his new Pinocchio movie. I started to watch that with my wife, and then I was really tired, so I fell asleep. She finished it. She said it was good. I have to go back and watch it still. It's coming out on Criterion next month. Ooh. That might be a necessary pickup. It's definitely a necessary pickup for me. There's like 80 other Criterion collection things I need to get as well. (laughs) Because I have all of his (laughs) Criterion movies I have. Two of them are signed because I got to meet him once. Oh. It was amazing. I was wearing a Vincent Price shirt. And he's like, oh, look at that. And I'm like, yeah, I love Enterprise. <laughs> he signed my stuff and, you know, went off to sign somebody else's stuff. So, Very cool. I did get, uh, what was it, the, I think it's a four, four movie set that Criteria did of his with Pan's Labyrinth. No, the three, yeah. Three, yeah. I got that for my wife because she really wanted to have copies of those movies. I was like, okay, I found it, got it for her. Mm-hmm. And she's got that Del Toro action figure that came out a number As- of years ago. As do I. Mine's sitting on top of my shelves right now. <laughs> Hers is put away somewhere so we don't really have a place to display it right now, but as soon as we do, she's putting it back up. Of course. I had the big debate. Keep it in the box. Take it out of the box. I decided to leave it in the box. I'm usually not that guy, but I'm just like, I'm just going to put it up on the shelf. Let's just I leave can it see in that. the box for now. Yeah, she took it out and was looking at his little journal that it came with and everything. <laughs> she she immediately loved it, so I hit all run there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I had all of his Criterion movies, but I started buying them separately when they came out. 
Nice, nice. Yeah, the and only. Then, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say that I got, yeah, Devil's Backbone and um, Kronos both signed when I met him. Oh. I thought I was going to have a chance to meet him again. So I was going to get Pan's Labyrinth signed, but he ended up canceling because uh, he had like, uh, he had like injured his foot or something. Couldn't come to a screen. There's a Ebert Fest, which mm-hmm. is the the Roger Ebert Film Festival. Happens about okay. an hour, hour and a half away from my my house. And um, sometimes they show some of his movies. He showed Crimson Peak the first time. Oh, nice. And then I hung out afterwards and he came out and signed some stuff for people. And he's going to come back for um, Nightmare Alley. But I had to cancel. So I was like, ah, damn. So, I still got to see Nightmare Alley. Still uh, got to see Nightmare Alley. I enjoy it. It's kind of a weird movie. My recommend is to watch it in black and white. Just, That's what I've heard some people say it's weird. And I'm like, okay, but it's still Del Toro. I got to give it a watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's still fun. Like pretty much anything he's attached to as a director, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to check it out. Of course. I had somebody argue with me there as I said something about Blade 2, and they go, Oh, that's a terrible movie. I'm like, Oh, it's you could go though. fuck yourself, sir. <laughs> like, it's not, but okay. Like, you're allowed yeah. to, you're allowed your opinion, but allowed it is to not your a wrong opinion. It is the best of the Blade movies. Yeah. My friend I went and saw um, Crimson Peak with at that screening beforehand. We were talking, I'm like, just about some of his movies. And I'm like, what about Pacific Rim? And he's like, oh, I didn't see Pacific Rim. I, I really had no interest. And I was like, Scott, you're telling me you love Del Toro movies. There's a Del Toro movie where a giant robot punches a giant monster in the face. And you don't want to watch that. And he sat there for a second. And he's like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> and so then he watched it and he's like, yep, you're right. It was great. It was amazing. Like, yeah, I told you. It's, it's just a fun movie. Pacific Rim is so fun. That's actually the first uh, movie we covered for this series. Yeah, so nice. that episode is out now. You guys can go listen to that. Yeah. I saw it on my podcatcher this morning. I didn't get a chance to listen though. Yeah. But, it actually uh, was supposed to be out earlier than when I got it published. I scheduled it for the wrong time. So yeah, it's all good. <laughs> It happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I love that movie. Giant robots, giant monsters. It's not to love. It's so much fun. I mean, are there are there flaws maybe in the writing? Yeah, but at the same time, it's like it's giant robots punching monsters. What's not to love about that? What's what's your example of flaws in writing? This oh, is turning into a Pacific Rim. <laughs> Just some of the uh, like. The immediate uh, hatred between what is uh, the main our main character played by uh, oh god I just talked about this not that long ago and I'm forgetting now Charlie Hunnam Charlie Hunnam and the son uh, was it the Australian father and son team the son yeah just the hatred and then like okay well I guess we squash it like it was so quick and I'm like you're really. That's just somewhere I was like, huh? But I'm willing to, like, it just kind of happened quick and then died. And I was like, eh, okay. I mean, it's not really a flaw in writing. There's just some things that I wish either weren't there or they kind of gave us a little bit more. But other than that, I I don't care. The movie is fun. 
See, and I feel like some of that stuff's on purpose. Um, that movie has uh, a whole hunk of cheese in it. And mm-hmm. I feel like he just embraces the cheesiness of it. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be one of those movies where they hate each other for no reason. And then they got to team up and then they're fine. See, I didn't look at it that way. And now I'm like, I hmm. going, okay. Because, I mean, just look at some of the cheesy parts where that, the, the one, uh, uh, what do they call them? Oh, the one Jaeger. It's like, um, shut down. Can't, can't do anything because the EMP went off. Oh, yeah. And they're like, what are we going to do? And then the music kicks in and you see the helicopters bringing Gypsy Danger out to drop into the water. And it's like, fuck yeah. It is. It is really cool. It is really cool seeing that. Yeah, there are so many cool visuals. And you're probably right with him just leaning into it. I mean, one of the lines to start off the movie is Charlie Hunnam's brother going, hey, kid, don't get cocky. <laughs> and which we all know what line. I mean, we all know that's a Han Solo thing. So of course, I said it to my TV while during uh, one of the first episodes of the uh, Ahsoka series. <laughs> and Sabine jumping in the cockpit. I'm like, "Don't get cocky, kid." I said it to nobody. <laughs> all of my animals just looked at me like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" I don't care. Hey, eh, animals will judge you, but then the next minute they'll be fine because they want treats or pets. So exactly. What my animals are not good at is ke- catching cockroaches. Ooh. <laughs> see that see that segue I worked into this? See see that that's that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect for this because if we're talking about, as I said, mimic from nineteen ninety-seven. Strickler's disease came to New York like a thief in the night. It was deadly threatening to steal an entire generation of our children from before our eyes. Since it has proven to be virtually immune to chemical control, we had to find a new avenue of attack. We recombined DNA to create a biological counteragent. We call it the Judas Breed. Three years ago, a team of brilliant scientists found a way to stop a deadly disease. They created has taken on a life of its own. What do you think your little Frankenstein's got the better of you? There's some weird stuff here. Lots of it. They all died in the lab. But you let them out. Sometimes an insect will evolve to mimic its predator. A fly can look like a spider. A caterpillar can look like a snake. They are breeding. Whatever it becomes, it destroys. Peter, these are lungs. Yesterday, it became human. If that thing has been around, how come nobody's ever seen it? I think we have. It couldn't have developed in a vacuum. Evolution is a way of keeping things alive. These things can imitate us. They could infiltrate us. If they migrate, there's no telling how far they could spread. Mimic. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. There's a there's a decent cast in this too. I have to pull it up Great because cast. I didn't think to <laughs> get it ahead of time because you know planning be damned. And we got your Mira Sorvinos, your uh, Josh Brolins. 
Yeah, very young Josh Brolin, too. I mean, a little bit older than Goonies Josh Brolin, but worse. Uh, you got a, you got a very you got a baby face Norman Reedus that shows up for a split second. Oh my gosh, he looks like a baby. Yeah. Before the hair got long and he became Daryl Dixon. <laughs> of course. Uh, Charles old, S. Dutton. Charles S. Dutton. Rock is my as I would know him. Yeah. Most people probably don't even remember that show. Probably not. I remember that show. I used to watch it all the time. Oh. Uh, Giancarlo Gia, Giannini. He's been yes. in some other, uh, some other Del Toro work, which is always makes me happy when I see him show up. So, and I remember Mr. Inspector Potsy from Hannibal. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. He's also in, uh, he was in Casino Royale, which is great. And Man on Fire with Denzel. He wasn't Man on Fire, wasn't he? I forgot about this. See, I hadn't seen Casino Royale. As soon as you said Man on Fire, I went, son of a bitch. Yeah, he shows up in uh, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, the first two uh, Daniel Craig Bonds. So. so I've never been into any of the Bond films, but I need to check them out. I was never into them, hopped on with Daniel Craig, just sort of enjoyed that run. Um, but I've never been a big Bond person. I guess Mission Impossible was always more my Bond stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen all those, but that's about it. Yeah, I've seen several of the Mission Impossibles, and I've seen clips of the newer Bond films. I just never grew up watching any of them. Like, they were always on somewhere. Like, I think TBS and TNT back in the day were running some of them. Mm, Yeah. I never read it or anything like that, and I've always been curious to check them out, especially the newer stuff, because lots of people are like, Check out the Daniel Craig stuff, and then you can always go back and check the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I went back and checked out uh, From Russia with Love and enjoying it. Nice. Helped I got to see it like on a giant screen theater. So, Oh, that's always nice. That's always real fun. They're showing a couple more, and I couldn't get down to it. I'm like, ah, you need to get down there and watch them. But it didn't happen. Now, was this like at a drive-in, or was this just a regular theater? Or uh, We have a museum in town that has a giant screen theater like not quite imax size but it's still pretty big and they have a professor from one of the local colleges that does a retro film series oh that sounds really cool and i don't remember what else he was showing along with that maybe it was the director he was showing other movies from the same director but so i went down and checked that one out Last year they had a, because uh, I'm from Peoria, Illinois, which is famously the hometown of Richard Pryor. Of course. So last year, I was hoping it was going to become a yearly tradition, but they didn't do it this year. Last year they had a Richard Pryor film festival. Uh-huh. So that museum had like two weeks, for two weeks they had like, they showed like six Richard Pryor films across, you know, two weekends. I went and caught, yeah. a, caught a handful of those. And I've seen Jaws down there before. It's a fun theater when they do stuff. Like I that. I am envious because there's nothing like that around here. <laughs> if there's anything close to that, it's always in L.A. And I'm not driving to L.A. for any of that. Yeah, I'm not dealing with L.A. traffic and L.A. That's, people. That's, that's, that's <laughs> some heavy traffic. Because I mean, technically speaking, where I'm at, it's only if the freeways were clear, it's about a twenty to thirty minute drive to downtown L.A. Mm-hmm. with traffic. 
that's two and a half to five hours, depending on what time of day you go. Yeah. Fuck so, that. yeah, fuck that. <laughs> you could helicopter in. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they fly over and I just parachute out and hope for the best. Yeah. See? It works. <laughs> if I had a giant mech, I could run through. But I don't know. We're not talking Pacific Rim. We're talking Mimic. Yeah, maybe you could fly in on a giant cockroach. Ugh. Now I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> These things are gross in this movie, and I don't want to fly on one. <laughs> so I guess uh, we should cover the basic premise of this movie. Okay. Is there's a disease that's affecting children that's carried by cockroaches. In order to stamp it out, they what did they actually do? They bred another type of bug to kill the cockroaches, but it was genetically altered so it would die off after a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Trying to remember what they're called. It's like the they Judas, Judas, bug. Judas bug, something like yeah. that. Oh, I remember them God. saying Judas a lot, and I was like, Chris Jericho, he showed up. <laughs> Not quite. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he blocked me on Twitter. By the way. <laughs> call about for his january 6th stuff uh i think i did that a couple times and then when he wouldn't respond <laughs> i just started making fun of how fat he had gotten <laughs> so he was doing one of his uh pain maker matches whatever that oh, stupid char- character from japan is and i said pain maker more like pancake eater <laughs> and that apparently was enough for him to be like you know what fuck this guy and then block me I just say this: I'm I'm not a fan, and never have been a fan of the pain maker thing. It is no, no it's it is dumb. so dumb. It's it's what like a dad would think would be cool. Yeah, and they continue to go with it, and everybody's like, "It's it's not cool." He's like, "But yeah, I got the makeup and the hat." No, kids still like the crow, right? Oh God! <laughs> it's like you're. <laughs> You're in your 50s, dude. Stop. Yeah, right. I'd be like, well, Sting wears face paint. It's like, Sting has always worn face paint. (laughs) Surfer Sting, Crow Sting, Joker Sting. That's it. He's always been that. Wolfpack Sting. (laughs) I forgot about Wolfpack Sting. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw, like, some meme about it on Facebook today. That's why I had it on my brain. So anyway, I guess we should get back to Mimic after I sidetracked this into wrestling. <laughs> so they created the Judas bug to kill off these cockroaches, and it's supposed to die after so long. And that didn't happen. So many years, mm-hmm. I think it's three years later, mm-hmm. weird shit is happening. The bugs have evolved. Now they've got to try and stop it. That's that's a very basic plot synopsis for what's happening. Well. Yeah. So without yeah. like going through the movie beat by beat, I want to know what are some of what was your first experience with this? And then we can kind of compare and contrast. I know you said you watched the director's cut versus me seeing yeah. the theatrical cut. So we can kind of go there, see what I might have missed. That's in the so, director's cut. I saw, I saw it in the theater when it first came out, thought it was okay. Didn't really think much about it. Um, but then I started becoming a fan of Del Toro's work. So then I was like, oh, shit, he directed Mimic. And so then I went back and watched it. I'm like, yeah, that's all right, I guess. Um, did not realize it was one of those movies that, like, 
he had disowned because he had such a fucking horrible time working on it. And yeah, then, can, uh, <laughs> fucking Weinstein's fucking Weinstein's. And, uh, so when, you know, the Weinstein's left Miramax and whoever was in charge was like, Hey, you want to come back and do a director's cut? He's like, Oh, fuck. Yeah. And so then he went and restored it closer to what he wanted for the movie. Mm-hmm. But, um, there's still some some issues he has with it. This is as close as he's going to get to what he uh, what he was hoping for. Yeah, I mean, unless he does an entire remake of the film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember part of the video that I watched <laughs> that you had written, and they were talking. They just the wines kept going more weapons. It needs more weapons. It's like no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he needs like yeah, like sharp claws and stuff, and it's like no, it's not. It's not how this works. It's like let this director do his thing. Stop trying to intervene. Yeah, it was, it was. It sounds like it was a horrible experience. Yeah, I, I. It's like I said, I watched that video last week, so I don't remember a lot about it. that. Stuck out with me as so like it needs more weapons, and I'm like, what are you talking about? This isn't a slasher film. <laughs> essentially was one of the points that he made was they were like more like slasher film instead of like creature feature it's like this is a creature film you this brought is... in a guy who has a specific vision and then you're just shitting all over it yeah especially him he's got a love for those old like 50s giant you know monster movies as mm-hmm. you know from discussing pacific rim yeah oh yeah <laughs> So if you're going to bring him in to do a giant bug movie, don't tell him he, do- he needs less giant bugs. In. Yeah, I just, uh, I've never understood the amount of studio interference in some productions, especially when they they saw what he could do and brought him in specifically and then were like, yeah, but you don't know what you're doing, so we're going to tell you what we want, and you're going to do that. Oh. You could have just hired any director that would have just been a yes man for you. Mm-hmm. It's like why even uh why even bother at that point? Exactly. But there are a lot of those del Toro touches in this film. The lighting, the things in jars, of course. Mm-hmm. My first experience with this movie was just a few years ago when I finally got to see it. Uh, my wife and co-host Leanne, who wasn't able to join us this time around, but I promise next time you're on for something. She'll be here. I think she's avoiding me. That's perfect. <laughs> I understand. She, she's not avoiding you. She's avoiding me. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah. Story of my life. <laughs> when I said I'd never seen it, she goes, you need to watch it. It's pretty good. And it's still Toro. So you need to watch it. Yeah. And I came away really liking it, but I was like, it sucks. Cause I already knew the story behind it of him not being happy with it. The Weinstein interference. Mm-hmm. So I knew that much of it. So I kind of went in going, man, if only he could have made the film he really wanted to make, what could this be? It's still, it's still fun. It's still a decent movie. It's just, you can tell where he would have wanted to go. And the theatrical cut is just kind of like your run of the mill thing. And that's really not Del Toro's bag. Yeah. And he has, um, very artistic style. Like there's definitely shots in here that you're like, okay, yep, I get that. And apparently he had to really fight for some of that stuff. 
And he talks at some point um, in some of the special features on the uh, director's cut Blu-ray. Some of the fights were just so like nonsensical that even just winning one of those stupid fights felt like a, an achievement because they would fight over the dumbest things. Like there was a big argument if, if the male, the male, um, lead, I guess, Rio Savino's boyfriend in it, mm-hmm. there was a big fight if he was going to wear glasses or not. And apparently this fight went on for weeks. And it's such a stupid little thing. Yeah. And then Del Toro, like, one and he's like yes he's gonna wear glasses and it's like yeah that's what i was excited about because i had to fight over everything in this movie so anytime i got my way with something it was like a big achievement even something as stupid as if he's gonna wear glasses or not Mm. Um, yeah like one of the opening shots of the uh the children's hospital Mm mm-hmm it's just a gorgeous shot. Oh, all it really these beds, is. All these beds draped with like these uh, sheets or whatever you want to call them, but just this real like ethereal look to it. And it, mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous. And he had to fight with them over that because they didn't want to film it because they're like, it's going to take too long. And he's like, no, no, no. But like, it's going to look really good. And it's going to set the stage for everything. And so, yeah, for him, it's just like everything was just a fight and I can understand how he was just like, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds to me almost like he was getting just treated. Like he had no idea what he was doing. And it's like, but you saw what he did and that opening shot of those beds with those sheets. It's so beautiful, but yet it's mm. ominous at the same time as you're like, this is a beautiful shot, but there's something dark about this at the same time. And then you see what's happening. You're like, Oh yeah. And like you said, it's ethereal. It's like, what, what are we getting into? Yeah, it's gorgeous. And then, you know, we cut up closer. We see our main characters seeing these children. It's almost like a, it's like a respiratory disease or something. Like all these kids are like, it's a very weird, like, since we just went through COVID, just like this very strange, like comparison of just seeing all these kids yeah. having trouble breathing and stuff. Yeah, that's that's something that came to mind when I was watching this. I was like, oh man. Oh this hits a little closer now knowing <laughs> how many people were affected by something that was this severe respiratory infection. And now seeing this, it's like, oh mm, that mm-hmm. mm. Yeah. So yeah, so carried by cockroaches. We'll just make this Judas Judas breed as it's called and then release it into the sewers and yay, we're all done. But of course, nothing ever goes that way. No, nothing ever goes that way. <laughs> and we find out about Mr. Funny Shoes. Mr. Funny Shoes. But you have to say, I like that kid. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen that actor in anything else. But he's mm-hmm. really good in this. He's not it's not over the top mm-hmm. like some portrayals of a kid who I'm, I'm assuming I don't really know that this child would be on the spectrum of autism yeah. in some, in some way it really seems that way. And it's not mm-hmm. done in a way that's making fun or just so over the top. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, he was and, only in a handful of movies. So wow, was, uh, he did Mimic, and then he did one more after it called Illuminata. Huh. I mean, he did like three or four before Mimic, but that's it. Well, yeah, I have to say he was really good in this. I did, nobody drew attention to him being on the spectrum or having you know something with him. I don't want to say something wrong because that's not technically correct. Yeah. They didn't mind yeah. that he was a little different than everybody else. They just talked to him like, hey, what did you see? What was going on? Nobody brought up anything. I was like, that's beautiful because Del Toro was like, so he is. Who cares? Yeah. yeah his big thing is he uh, he has, he plays the spoons. And uh, his grandfather says he can mimic just about any sound he hears. So he, he's constantly like because his grandfather works like the uh, shoe shine stand out on the subway. Yeah. So the kid's constantly like recreating the sound of people's shoes walking by and stuff. And starts to recreate the sounds of these mutated, evolved Judas creatures. They're clicking noises. He's mimicking them with spoons like perfectly, which is. <laughs> That's great. It's like, oh man. Yeah, so these evolved bugs, I guess we should say, are like human size. Human size, and they have sort of a, what do you want to say, almost like an exoskeleton over the head mm-hmm. that makes them appear. It has human-like features. So if it's in the shadow, it and it still it still got me this time. So I was like, those still look pretty good, because that does look like a face in the shadows. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's like an exoskeleton that it like sort of wraps, like all the pieces of it sort of come together. Um, sort of how bugs do, like they just they have different pieces or whatever that they'll like then cocoon themselves for protection. Yeah, and, the way uh, the the way the two pieces came for the face kind of reminded me of the the like bio exoskeleton thing in Independence Day. They're totally yeah. not the same thing, but it had that same kind of pieces that kind of come around and fit together. Yeah. Except this was done way better because it was Del Toro's vision. Of course. Um, But then, yeah, it sort of makes like a human face and it just looks like he's wearing a trench coat with the uh, sort of the wings wrapped around him. So if he's standing like in the background and sort of in a shadowy area, you just assume it's another person. Yeah, it's it's really well done what he was doing. Cause he's like, we don't want to reveal this too early. And I can just imagine the wise. He's like, no, show it right away. <laughs> like, of course. That's not the point. Yeah. You want it to be a surprise when this happens, lead people to think, is this a person? What is this? Then you see, but what do I yeah. know? I just like to watch movies. I don't make them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the big thing is, yeah, the, the bugs were, were made so that they would not, um, they wouldn't be able to reproduce. Yeah. They would like die out after like one generation or something. Yeah. They were genetically set to like die off, but that didn't happen. Yeah. Something got messed up. So then they did, but then sped up their breeding cycle. So they were able to essentially evolve over like 50,000 generations in like three years, which is, yeah insanity becoming more humanoid i mean they found out they have lungs which bugs don't have yeah it's 
it's crazy. It's the the idea of this. It kind of reminds me of those old giant insect movies, like the Atomic Age kind of thing, mm-hmm. where something would happen and these bugs would evolve or change or grow giant size. It's kind of like that, but a little more grounded in reality. You can see some scientists figuring this out and thinking, oh, we genetically set them to die off after a generation, so nothing will happen. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, uh, we fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then they sort of stumble upon them by accident. And then they have to like, okay, well, let's go down in the sewers. And I kind of liked how it was like three different groups of people um, sort of ending up in the sewers and not realizing that they were all sort of down there. Yeah. So you, so you got the grandpa who, cause the kid Chewie ends up getting kidnapped by the bugs. Right. So the grandpa goes down to figure out what happened to him. You got, uh, the, the male scientist lead going down with the cops, um, looking for stuff. And then Mira Sabrina's character, who's a entomologist. Mm-hmm. Is supposed to think she's supposed to meet her boyfriend down at the subway at a certain time. When she gets there, she sees one of these giant creatures and it grabs her and pulls her off down into, into the subway, into the sewer. Yeah. Flies off with her. Yeah. Sounds like, Just, what the fuck? See, so Jeff, you could totally fly one into LA. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's just a matter of if they if they'll take me there and not just take me to their underground subway <laughs> lair. <laughs> Which I want to touch on too. The two kids that were trying to sell her like bugs and brought her the baby version of the Judas. Mm-hmm. Those kids just trying to hustle money the way they could. <laughs> they met <laughs> such they met such a demise, which is really like okay. I don't want to say it's cool, but when a director has the balls to kill. A kid, let alone two, on screen. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. It's just like, fuck these kids. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're trying to hustle. Was it they were getting, they brought her like butterflies to check out or something, and then they had the other bug in a cornflakes box. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'll give you $5 for everything. He's like, hold on, hold on. How about <laughs> 10 It's like, geez, man, you could have. You would have showed her what it was. She probably would have paid you like fifty, dummy. Yeah. That's like they're like, "This is our meal ticket. We can't just give it away." <laughs> like, how old are you, kids? Like eight or twenty-five? What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, I've never been to New York, but I'm assuming that's how every young kid is trying to hustle everything they can to make money. Probably. I wouldn't doubt, it, especially in '97. Yeah. Brilliant. 97. So New York was probably still pretty dirty at that time, right? Yeah, I think they were in the middle of cleaning it up. So Yeah, it was uh, it was cleaner than uh Friday the thirteenth part eight New York. Or Toronto, <laughs> whichever. Hey, whichever. Don't, don't spoil it for people who haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> I would use maybe Maniac as a better yeah. example. That's that's a way better example. Basket it's case, grimy, greasy, gross New York. Yeah, which is, which is my favorite because I didn't have to live there. Uh, same, I'm like oh, glad I didn't live there, but it's so good to watch. <laughs> I mean, even the nineteen was it nineteen ninety or was it eighty nine? The the first Ninja Turtles live action film 
It was oh, even yeah. really dirty and gross too. And you're like, this is a kid's movie. <laughs> but you can still get a pizza delivery and not have to worry about the driver getting shanked while he's doing it. That's true. That is true. <laughs> so yeah, the way these, these three parties kind of have to converge and then fight to survive and figure out a way to kill these things. Of course, one group, they set off Josh Brolin, who he's kind of, I don't want to say he's sort of like the dumb character, but he's just, I don't even know how to describe his character, really. Yeah, they, uh, someone who's just like, why am I mixed up in this bullshit? I want to be home. Um, But I think they just assumed, like, look, I mean, you've scoured through underground tunnels before looking for treasure buried on a pirate ship. Probably find your way out pretty easy. <laughs> of course he doesn't. Nope. Spoiler like alert. The- Josh Brolin <laughs> gets killed. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of obvious. You think as soon as they send him off, you're like, oh, he's not lasting. No, he's going to die. He's, this, was, this was not Thanos Josh Brolin. This was not major star Josh Brolin. This was, and also appearing Josh Brolin. Yeah. This was Josh Brolin trying to remind people, like, I'm not the guy from the Goonies. I can do other <laughs> stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I like that his death was just, you just see him trying to climb out, and then he just gets pulled back down after, like, a little bit of blood coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Probably a wine scene note. Sorry, I dropped my phone. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> so... <laughs> I lost my train of thought for a second because I dropped my phone. I'm going, what the hell? <laughs> uh, Brolin just so spitting, up, spitting up blood? Yeah, that's what I was talking about. He just getting pulled back down. You're like, oh, all right. I like that you don't, they don't have to go back to it. It's like, you know, okay, he's done. Mm-hmm. We don't really go back there. They don't try to get out and then run across him and go, oh, no, he's dead. It's like, yeah, we'll never see him again. Yeah. Which is fine. It's like, it's like, this is not an 80s slasher. It's not Friday the 13th. You don't need to have us go back and see what the bugs did to the body. <laughs> I did, I did notice one thing though. And we were talking before we started, we had talked a little bit about Blade 2 because it's Del Toro. Mm-hmm. Now, when they're in the, which we should mention, he made Blade 2 after this. Yeah. He made Blade 2 after this. And I, so when the when all the group when Rock and Mira Sorvino and the husband and the grandfather are in that subway car, that old subway car, mm-hmm. and they've just basically pulled half of one of these bugs into the car with them. And it's still alive, by the way. Mm-hmm. I noticed after they killed him, she was she figured out it had lungs, and she gets a knife and cuts out scent glands. It's like, rub these everywhere. It'll keep them from noticing that it's us. It'll protect us for a while. Yeah. He kind of went back to that in Blade 2, where they took the pheromones from the adrenal glands of the Reapers and used it to sort of draw in. So it's kind of the opposite, but kind of the same thing. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, weren't protecting, but drawing them in. But mm-hmm. same kind of going down into somewhere, hunting something, trying to figure out how to solve the bigger problem. Yeah, makes sense. I didn't even put that together. Yeah, I just thought of it. I was like, wait a minute. They're, huh. And then I watched Blade 2 not too long after I watched Mimic, so. 
Because if you have the chance, just watch it. Of course. Don't waste your time not watching it. Go watch it. <laughs> exactly. Watch Blade 2. Watch. What I don't know about this movie is what differences there are between theatrical and director's cut. Because obviously oh. we have everyone coming together in that subway car. Mm-hmm. They're sort of the climax fight, and they eventually find their way out after fighting off these things. Uh, I can't even remember how they get to the end at this point, and I watched it, and I'm going, huh. <laughs> uh, for the most part, there's not a big difference in story and plot. Um, the big thing with Del Toro is uh, they wanted you know someone to shoot um, second unit stuff right and he did not want that at all he's like i do not want a second unit director like i want to shoot everything myself and since the wine seeds are stupid they're like well tough and so they actually brought uh robert rodriguez in to shoot a bunch of stuff since you know he was one of their golden boys and i guess he was right i don't know that's right. Now you oh, said I remember that from the video. They brought yeah. in Robert Rodriguez. Um, and he had no problem with Robert Rodriguez in general, but it was just like, uh, you know, this is, I just don't, I don't want a second unit director. Right. Because I want to make sure I'm on set for everything that gets shot. So he, uh, for a lot of the shoot, he would work like 20, our days because he would hang out and you know be on set when the second unit stuff was being shot mm-hmm. so when he got a chance to do the director's cut first thing he did is he stripped all of the second unit stuff out because it's not what he wanted wow and so then he uh sort of put back in all the all the stuff that he had originally shot so story wise, it's not a huge difference, but anything that was second unit is just like, no, I didn't approve of this, so I'm taking it out. Okay. And, and apparently, up till at least maybe when I made that video, uh, he has never had a second unit director on any of his movies. I can see that. I mean, so, he really doesn't need it. His vision is pretty clear from everything we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just let the man work you get gold um and i'm trying to remember was there a big uh pregnancy subplot in the version you watched yes there was okay i don't remember if that was something that was added back in or or not but it seems like that was it just seems a little i don't know odd i guess it was motivation for him to be more protective of her but i'm like you guys are already married, so you could kind of be protective anyway without her having to have a baby. Yeah. Um, maybe there's something with that. I don't remember. I tried to look up the differences before we recorded this. Mm-hmm. I could not find a good place that had like a comparison of what was different. Um, story wise between the two, fortunately. And I have not watched the theatrical version in a long time. Because now, anytime I watch it, I just go right to the director's cut. Right. Which is, I need to get my hands on that because it sounds, well, 
it's Del Toro. It's more of Del Toro's vision than what the theatrical is, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think I mean it's only like six minutes longer, so it's not like a big dramatic shift in anything. Mm-hmm. There may be a couple scenes that are rearranged, but nothing. Uh, um. Nothing that's going to completely change the movie or anything. Right, not going back and completely excising stuff and inserting other stuff or yeah, things totally. like that. Or adding in, oh, I don't know, uh, another two and a half hours, like, say, Zack Snyder did? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which, uh, did you, quick, quick sideboard, did you watch the, the Snyder cut of Justice League by chance? Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought, but I thought it was a way better movie if you want to call it that than uh the one we got yeah i agree the problem is it's a sequel to a bunch of movies that i didn't like so yeah uh by the by the way mimic uh director's cut is 11 dollars on amazon on blu-ray so okay well feel free to upgrade yes i am going to yeah because the only place i have it is available on streaming i don't have a physical copy so yeah Get a Blu-ray and a digital copy, so you'll be all set. There we go. That's what I need, because then I can throw it in my Voodoo. And... Yep. Because as of right now, my PS4 is still not working. So oh, playing no. Blu-rays, playing Blu-rays right now is... That's yeah, I don't funny. have another dedicated player for them, so... Living in the dark times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily we have streaming, but it's not the same. Because I have this Friday the 13th box set sitting here and all these other Blu-rays like 42nd street forever that I like to throw on every once in a while. And I just can't watch them. Yeah. You know, my criterion of scanners, which is the only that's criterion I personally own. Cause my wife owns the del Toro criterion three movie set. Mm-hmm. The one I got for myself was scanners. Cause I freaking love scanners. <laughs> uh, then while you're on Amazon, let me see if this is still available. I'm going to make you spend a bunch of money. <laughs> And Amazon.com is not going to do much for me. <laughs> well, see, what's going to happen is this is going to happen. And then my wife is going to actively avoid you, or she's going to go start calling you out for making me spend money. <laughs> like, why did you do this? Uh, you can get Scanners 2 and Scanners 3 on Blu-ray for $12.99. And you see, I've never seen those. Yeah, they're not as good as the first one, but. It's what I've heard, and I'm like, eventually I'll see them, but. You, you want to be a completist like me. You have to have them all. Oh, that's that's the problem I run into is I am, and that's why I own the 2010 remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street alongside my box set. I still haven't gone that far. Yeah, I got it initially thinking, I saw it in theater, it wasn't too bad, then I watched it again, and I'm like, mm. Mm. It's like, it was the joy of watching it in the theater and having the theater experience and enjoying the theater, not so much the movie, it was the theater. (laughs) Still looking for that mimic director's cut, by the way. <laughs> Are you still looking for it? Well, I typed in mimic Blu-ray and it brought up region-free Blu-ray players. I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for. And then it brought up the three movie collection. I'm like, I'm not looking for the collection either. All right, well, uh, that's, I'm getting sidetracked. I'm <laughs> the collection does have the director's cut in it, but I understand. Yeah. I haven't seen the other two. I'm like, what? what's the point? They're probably just cash grab sequels. Yeah, I own them. I've still never watched it. 
Hmm. I've I've got a few movies like that. Like I I own a Blu-ray. I think it's a Synapse Films release of Street Trash. Never seen it. Hmm. Heard it talked about, and I was like, oh, I should get a copy. Saw it on sale, and I went, sure, why not? Never. I've watched some of the extra features. Never watched the movie. Yeah, I've got a bunch of movies like that. If I turn, I turn my head, is there something I can see I've bought that I still have not watched? No, nothing that's going to make good conversation. Ah. That's a bummer. It happens. I will say, despite all the production issues, behind-the-scenes issues that Del Toro had, this is still a beautifully shot movie. Like, he's definitely got the colors working. Nothing ever looks bad. Mm -hmm. And I've always appreciated his use of color in all of his films because it denotes sort of, it differentiates the different scenes. It gives you an idea of what's supposed to kind of be happening there. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily he had a good cast that was willing to fight for him. Mara Servino. She was a, uh, she was popular enough that, uh, you know, she was able to uh, to sort of tell the wine scenes, like, no, you're being stupid. Like, yeah. She had just um, just won, come off an Oscar win for Mighty Aphrodite. Yep. So, yeah, and, she uh, had some weight to throw around, and she was dating Tarantino at the time. Unfortunately, I that. Unfortunately, that's, uh, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, they still wouldn't listen to her, and... Um, she had to call Tarantino and was like, hey, you're giving this guy a hard time, and I really believe in what he's doing. And so then Tarantino had to call him and be like, hey, knock it off. Yeah. But they were like, oh, okay, sure, Quentin, whatever you want. Yeah, because obviously a, a woman wouldn't know, right? Of course not. Uh, but all that, re- <laughs> all that really Sorry to take did. your phrase there, but anytime no, I hear that in one of the videos I watch, I'm like, this is a Wolford thing. And then I'll see your name. I'm like, yep, I knew it. Of course. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, that basically just kept him from being fired because they wanted to fire him. Yeah. Um, as soon as, you know, the movie was done, they basically told him to get lost and, you know, edited together a movie he was not very happy with. So. It's and just I, a bummer. Yeah. But it is one of those things, though, like, because he had such a horrible experience. He's like, well, I don't think I'm going to work in the studio system anymore. So I'm going to go back to Mexico and make a movie I want to make. And then he went back and made uh, Devil's Backbone, which is fantastic. It really is. Uh, I saw that one for the first time a few years ago, and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, we may not have gotten that movie. Maybe he would have went on and started making some more studio movies first. Yeah. it It's kind of reminiscent of what happened with Carpenter in the studio system, how it just kind of soured them on working with these major studios, the way there's so much interference and they're yeah. not wanting the artist to create art. They're wanting someone to just do what they want to do within a budget and we're going to tell you how it should be as opposed to what your vision should be. I just never understood that. Yeah. The, uh, I still understand. It's like, well, if you're that, if you think you know what's best, why don't you just direct it? Yeah. Why are you bringing these guys in? Oh, Cause they wouldn't be able to do it if they, <laughs> <on their laughs> it's own. true. 
the wine stands would be too busy. Uh, nah, you know what? I'm not even going to go there. Everyone knows what they would be doing. I don't even have to say it. <laughs> garbage people. Fucking garbage people is right. Uh, aside from their, their stink being all over this, there is still those Del Toro touches, which I love. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it sucks that the final product was not something he enjoyed creating because of all the interference in that. But it's yeah. still a, it's still a cool story when you think about it that these evolving bugs and it is cool. It's you know it's an interesting like sort of look at genetics and mm-hmm. just weird shit about how stuff evolves and seeing them like bring that you know to this weird like underground world of cockroaches and suddenly they're man-sized and it's like well now what the fuck do we do yeah and pretty pretty goddamn resilient too because it took a lot to kill them. yeah <laughs> like a rock did- kind of unloading like a clip into like one of them and still not dying yeah <laughs> or rock man uh, at least he survived. I mean, up until the very end of the movie, <laughs> he died for a good cause. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't just, oh, hey, you're here to be fodder. <laughs> like, yes. so, like so many other movies, Del Toro was like, no, 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 we're gonna keep you around for a while. <laughs> yeah, Del Toro. It's interesting because he casts like a black person, like what was it, like an Italian person, mm-hmm. and then uh, Mexican Spanish. I don't remember what uh, what the grandpa, what his ethnicity is supposed to be, but basically just like oh, it's like the world coming together to fight these bugs, and you know, mm-hmm. the human human spirit will prevail, and like all this stuff. And Bob Weinstein's just like. Uh, more. We need more weapons. It needs to be more like Jason. I, no. <laughs> it's like stop. Hey, fuck off. <laughs> Let me make my movie. Damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, I think even Mira Sorvino was supposed to have. Uh, she's supposed to have be in an interracial relationship, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Audiences can't take that right now. This is 1997. What are you trying yeah. to do? Yeah, that's right. I completely forgot about that part of it. Yeah, I when you were talking about the cast, I'm like, oh, that's right. She was going to be in an interracial relationship, and they're like, no, no, no. No, I just like, no, you can't do that. Nobody will tolerate that. Like, if you don't draw attention to it and you just have it there, it's going to be fine. Just let the man work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're projecting their own hangups that he couldn't. Ugh, just so didn't make gross. sense. They're so gross. It it sucks that this movie was made in that studio because we had to reference them, but it's such a huge part of what happened in this movie. Yeah. But I want to ask you, you, is there... (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I agree with that, you Weinsteins. (laughs) Fuck you so much. So to ask you, do you have like a favorite part of this movie or is there like a favorite sequence or is just something you like about this over? I mean, overall, or just certain things that you like about it. 
Um, like we had mentioned, I liked the uh, sort of the color of it. Um, the coloring on it mm-hmm. looks beautiful, as most Del Toro stuff does. So even when he's fighting through a hurricane of uh, bullshit, he's still able to at least get stuff that looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, them being stuck in the train car and like the bugs trying to get in and stuff is a lot of fun. Um, I think the scene where the guy ends up going into, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a giant industrial boiler room-esque sort of thing. What's going on? I don't, I don't know what that room, what purpose that room serves. Yeah. I think that's where they were supposed to like switch the tracks or something, right? Where the, there was a grandfather going in is what you were talking about. Um, yeah, well, it's the scene where he ends up going in, he looks up and the entire ceiling is covered with these bugs. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh shit. And that's when he decides I got to blow this room up. Like that stuff is great. Just sort of that yeah. look on his face when he looks up and it's like, oh, and like, this is not, uh, this is, <laughs> this is not good. This is not what I wanted. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. Just the look of be- the beautiful look of it. Like, seriously, the way these bugs, the way their exoskeleton comes together, like we talked about earlier, like the design of them is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. It really is. And even though it's 97, it's like some early CG work, it doesn't look too bad. It's hidden yeah. in the darkness a lot. So, like, everything that's kind of lit by bright lights is still in shadow. Because they're so dark. But anything else you see, like the faces, you know, moving apart to show the bug face and that, still really well done. And just the creature design is outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Del Toro, he's really good at using practical effects and then um, augmenting them with CGI, which he does even in this movie, Mm -hmm. as far back as this movie was. And it works really well. He's and, got a yeah. knife. He's got a knife for blending the two. I mean, if you look at the other movies, like look at Hellboy, look at Blade Two, Hellboy Two, The Golden Army. Even yeah. there's a lot of it going on there. Shape of Water. I mean, we can name a, a, basically every movie he's done. Mm-hmm. He's able to blend them so seamlessly. Yeah, which I think is the best use of CGI. I wish more people did it that way. Yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, it looks great, and like you said, they hide a lot of it in shadow, so ends up not coming off um, super uh, super 90s. Yeah. Because for the late 90s, like, this is, like, this is, like, um, amazing. This is, this is, like, Avatar level of CGI. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think about there was it. There was some so bad <laughs> in the 90s. I mean, just look at the Spawn movie. Ugh, I'd rather not. <laughs> Do I own the Spawn movie? I I owned the DVD at one point. I don't. I used to. Yeah, I do not, and, though. And don't get me wrong. It's not the best movie, but I still have fun watching it, and I'll watch it on occasion, but CG is, is very 90s. Yeah. It's not good. It's that everything looks too shiny and not like it should be there. 
everything's wrapped in like cellophane yeah yeah there's no real shadows on anything so everything's like that's not even really in the scene i can tell just layered in somehow (laughs) unlike this movie mimic where it looks like it's there they did a lot to make sure that it worked Mm -hmm. i should say del toro probably worked with the effects guys to make sure it looked good yeah, I I don't know how much he did. He must have been working on it because I know he got booted at some point. So maybe he was working on it some before the wine scenes were like, no, no more. Get out. Yeah. Sorry, telling. Ah. Yeah, this I said I enjoy the theatrical cut. It's it's a, it's a fine movie, but I want to see the director's cut just for those little extra bits that you said were there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen far worse films, and I'm sure you have too worse it's just with this it's one of those like what could have been what could we have got without all that interference no if they would have just told del toro hey here's your budget here's the time frame go at it what could we have got yeah because i mean later like um new line would bring him in to do blade 2 as we talked about and i mean that was like a risk for him because he decided he's like i'm not making studio movies but he was sort of talked into Blade 2, and he's like, I'm glad I did it because it showed me that not all studio movies is going to be an abysmal experience. Yeah. Like, uh, like this movie was. So at least it turned him around, and he could sort of make a good career out of you mm-hmm. know, doing some studio movies, but also still doing some of his uh, independent stuff, which all of it's fantastic so yeah i don't think there's a movie of his that i look at and i'm just like oh that movie's terrible no no like i heard people say i heard a lot of people and i don't think they were del toro fans saying oh shape of water it's just kind of a creature from the black lagoon kind of thing and i saw it and i'm like you obviously didn't really pay attention to the movie (laughs) there's way more going on here it's like yeah it's like if somebody were to watch pan's labyrinth and go oh it's just a dark fairy tale it's like no that's part of it but there's so much more happening he is such a storyteller yeah and like you said i don't think there's any of his films that i've watched where i've come away going that was fine even crimson peak i watched it and i heard people go "Eh, it's not really a horror movie i'm like i watched it i'm like yeah it's not it's really not yeah Yeah, when I saw him for that um, screening of Crimson Peak, he said, because this was like after it already had its theatrical run, it was already out on home video or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is kind of a, um, this screening, because after we watched it and everybody enjoyed it, he's like, this screening is kind of like a um, um, rejuvenation for me for this movie because he made it um told you know the studio do not market this as a horror movie because it is not a horror movie it is a gothic romance with a ghost in it and they're like okay and then they're like hey it's a horror movie he's like god damn what did i just say Mm -hmm. so you know he felt it was not marketed the way that uh he specifically told them right and so you know People walk away with it going like, oh, that movie was terrible. And it's like, well, it's terrible for you because you don't, uh, you didn't, um, 
see it in the context that you were supposed to see it in. Exactly. So, and that's what I never understood. Is I, I remember hearing you say that. I remember hearing you go say that, and I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. And this was after I had seen it in theaters. Hmm. Because originally, my wife and her friend went and saw it. And my wife was like, I didn't like it. I'm like, really? You didn't like it? She's like, hold on, we're gonna go see it. She goes, I will see it again. I need you to see this. I looked out of there. I was like, that was fantastic. She goes, okay, I I do like it after all. It took a second watch, but I like it. It's just I was going in, going, well, Del Toro could do horror, but it's like this isn't really I'm like this doesn't feel like they're marketing this correctly. When I saw the the commercials and the TV spots, then I'm like. This feels yeah. different, and they're just marketing it weird. And then when I heard you say that, I'm like, that makes total sense. Because <laughs> yeah. the time it was coming out, they're like, no, you got to market it as horror. It's like, but you don't. don't. This is not the movie. It's not a horror movie. It's a gothic romance with a ghost. Stop. I mean, there's horrific stuff in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I don't want to get into Crimson Peak talk. We could talk about that <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I could jump in just about any of them yeah. and talk about Del Toro movies for days on end. So, and funny enough, Blade Two was the first Del Toro movie I ever saw, and I got to see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. First one I ever saw too, but I didn't know I didn't know that at the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I had heard about him, and I had heard about stuff he had done, like heard about Mimic, and I was like, oh okay, but I never oh, watched Mimic. Yeah, that's not true. I, I saw I saw Mimic in the theater. Oh, there you go. Well, that was the first one I saw, but again, I didn't know who he was, so it didn't, it right. didn't track for me. Like I had heard some. My buddy was like, "Yeah, this guy Guillermo del Toro is directing Blade 2. You want to check it out?" I'm like, "I feel like I've heard that name before." He goes, "Yeah, I think he did Mimic." I'm like, "Oh, I never saw that." Uh-oh. And we just went and saw Blade 2, and I was like, "I think del Toro is one of my favorite directors now <laughs> because this movie was fucking great." Yeah, yeah. Now I just want to go watch all of those movies. Luckily, and, on uh, Midnight Drive-In, we're doing a Del Toro episode here in like two weeks. So, oh, nice! That will uh, that will itch scratch that itch for me, I guess. <laughs> we're doing Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth. So, oh, nice, nice! I'm double feature. I'm actually trying to get an episode scheduled for the Devil's Backbone with Patrick from Scream Queens, who you know. Of course, it's just we're trying to work out the scheduling. He hasn't been able to do it yet, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be able to do it, but if not, then we're definitely going to be talking Kronos as well during this month, so that'll be fun. Kronos is good. It's another one with Ron Perlman, so you can't go wrong. (laughs) Del Toro and Perlman. It's it's a wonderful combination. Combination that can be beat. Exactly. So I guess we we took so much time talking about the the wine season that I guess bottom line is would you recommend people check out this movie, and would you recommend the director's cut over the theatrical version for them to seek out? Um, I would definitely recommend it. It's a fun giant bug movie, and you can't go wrong with that. And especially if you're a Del Toro fan, um, watch what he does with a giant bug movie, even with restrictions. Um, I would say seek out the director's cut just because. Uh, he had such a horrible time making it and was given carte blanche at some point to sort of try to correct that as much as possible that uh, you should watch the preferred version of what he was able to put together. Mm-hmm. 
and it flows better because you know he may actually know what he's doing <laughs> unlike the producers who told him he didn't yeah he's he's actually a competent filmmaker despite what the weinsteins thought yeah so i'll i'll echo everything you said other than the director's cut because i haven't seen that version but i am going to pick it up super cheap on amazon that's how I'm going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> this this has been a fun talk, man. I, I don't have a trivia thing for us no, this time yeah, yeah. like last time. Yeah, I forgot but, we uh, did that. <laughs> yeah, which was, which was fun way back when we talked about Dream Warriors. Oh, Dream Warriors, so good. Which is funny because I put so much time into that. Now I'm seeing that uh, El Goro over at the Talk Without Rhythm is doing the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. Yeah. I was like, 2023 is the year of nightmare, I guess. <laughs> but it's all good, man. It's all good. So before before we wrap things up here, kind of diverting from horror, since we don't have any trivia, how blown was your mind to see Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge, show up in AEW? Um, I mean, it wasn't super blown because the rumors were circulating right. even before he left. So me, I was more like tuning in, like, well, let's see, is it actually going to happen? I don't know. Um, I was kind of the it, same way. It's surreal. It's very weird. Like I watched Dynamite last night, and him and Christian are both standing there in, in an AEW ring. And Christian's having one of the best heel runs like ever in wrestling at the moment. It's oh my god, fantastic! It's, it's so good. And so it's just like. Oh yeah, this is great. And now we're going to be able to see like, um, what Copeland can do sort of on his own, I guess. Yeah. They're a little bit more, they hold your hand a little bit less in AEW. So if he's got some ideas, we're going to see maybe what he can come up with on his own rather than being either constrained or, you know, um, mentored on right. his presentation so we'll see yeah but you would think that a guy who spent 25 years with one company they would at some point trust trust them to go like yeah you know what you're doing mm -hmm. and there's only been a few in the wwe system i mean ever that they've just felt like yeah go ahead and go out and do it everyone else yeah. is like well hold on here's what we wrote for you so stick to 90 percent of this and maybe you can throw in some things here and there mm -hmm. wow. Wow. Yeah, it's definitely surreal because I saw the image you posted and I was like, God, that looks weird to see them standing side by side. <laughs> and it's AEW. Yep. Christian they, holding the TNT title. Hey, Christian's heel run with your father's dead, this whole father figure thing. Yeah, so great. I've always been a fan of Christian since he and Edge were a tag team as the brood way back in the day. Mm -hmm. I never got to see any of his TNA stuff because I didn't watch any of that. I wasn't watching wrestling at the time. I kind of fell off. But I've always been a fan of Edge and Christian, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of this version of Christian. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at, I was just scrolling through Facebook, just, you know, as we've been chatting. Mm -hmm. And I literally stopped on this. It is, this, it's this sort of the same picture I posted, but like a nice, like, HD version of it. And someone commented, like, this is the very first time Edge and Christian were presented at the same level on the food chain on TV. Which is true, because WWE was always like, oh, Edge is a superstar. Christian's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, it's interesting, yeah, that 
there's a company that's holding them both in the same esteem. And obviously Christian deserves it because he's been amazing over the past couple of years. So it's just interesting to see that they're both in the same company sort of have freedom to kind of do, you know, stuff that they, they think is going to be interesting. Right. And just be able to see how it's going to play out. It's just, it's, it's exciting to see. And I don't, I don't get people who are one way or the other and have to crap on everything. One company does or the other. Tribalism's gotten terrible. It's really bad. And I keep, I get in the habit of going onto certain wrestling pages on Facebook and I'll make a comment before the trolls get in. And then it's just, oh, well, what about when the elite did this and let to CM Punk? I'm like, dude, can we just agree that both sides were acting childish and everyone should just grow up? Yeah. I'm like, like, I'm not heartbroken over CM Punk leaving AEW. Like, it doesn't affect me because there's still a whole bunch of other people on the roster I want to see. So I'm just, uh, I'm enjoying it. And all these people that are complaining, like, I've seen people posting videos of like people crying because edge is on AEW. Like I can't believe he left. My childhood is ruined. And I'm like, man, you guys definitely weren't around during the attitude era because people were jumping ship left and right. Some people were showing up on both shows at the exact same time. Because yeah, because that's the world we were living in at the time. So, I mean, it's just, uh, I'm like, this used to happen all the time. Yeah. Where wrestlers would be in one company for a little while and then they'd be in another one and then they back and forth. I can't tell how many wrestlers were going back and forth over the years of my watching as a kid. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't watch WCW, if a certain wrestler just disappeared, I wouldn't know where they went. Mm -hmm. Like when Jake Roberts disappeared for a while, I was like, guess he's done wrestling. I don't know where he was. Come to find out he was somewhere else. Like, oh, that's what was happening. It's like, okay, that's just the way the business goes. Yeah, yeah, I've I've seen some videos of that, and I'm like, really? People relax. Like, he just went to a different promotion. You can still watch it. (laughs) And so many people are like, AEW's just garbage. I'm like, if it's not for you, don't watch it. Yeah. Like, just the the hatred they have. And then it goes the same way with AEW fans' hatred of WWE. I'm like, just... Just don't hate watch it. Just stop. Watch what you want to watch, man. It's like this is a great time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah. There's like, so I mean, much more so much more wrestling now than there ever was before. And people are just so pissy about stuff. I just I don't I don't get it. I grew up just loving wrestling. And then when I found out there was more, I was like, oh, okay. Like I, I was never a huge WCW guy ever. Like I would flip back and forth every once in a while to see. Mm-hmm. But when they were tanking, I was like, this is ugh. like Chucky yeah. and Rick Steiner. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> not good. This is no Robocop and Sting. Of course not. Nothing's <laughs> Robocop and Sting. <laughs> I saw that you shared that earlier. I was like, Worse. yeah, yeah. This is the greatest crossover. <laughs> so ridiculous. The fact that he moved, Robocop could only move so fast. And that I never noticed till I watched it. He actually stumbled a bit, had to catch his balance, and then continue walking. I was like, oh, the poor guy in that suit. Oh, what a terrible yeah. crossover. 
What do you mean? It's better than any of the Avengers films. It's better than Justice League. Both versions of Justice League. Well, I just like <laughs> an industry that's like, we're built on movement and, you know, kind of stuff we can pull off and the athleticism. And it's like, let's team up with, because uh, I think this was a promotion for the RoboCop TV show. Oh, God. So I think it's like, let's team up with... <laughs> With Robocop, who is the most stiff character like ever, and we'll bring him out. And he can't really do anything. Literally could just walk out and grab a door on the cage and break it off, and that's it. <laughs> I didn't even like, realize it was for Robocop the series. That's my assumption, because that's right around that yeah. time, I think. But yeah, that's even lower than Robocop three, where he had the jetpack. Right. Ugh. And I've never seen Robocop 3. I only know about the jetpack because going way back when I used to listen to you, <laughs> Drunk and Zombie, you guys would talk about that. I still don't think it's, it's terrible. I've, I've just never seen it. I'm like, he has a jetpack? How does that work? It's directed by Fred <laughs> Decker, who did Monster Squad and uh, Night of the Creeps. So right. still worth still worth the watch. Um, I will have to but, check it yeah. out. I, I know the guy playing Robocop was the same guy that was uh, the main character in Thinner. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't remember the actor's name, but that's what I was like, oh, hey, that's the guy that was in Thinner. Yeah, that's why he was able to fit in the suit, because he got so skinny. <laughs> so see, there was a positive thing that came out of it. <laughs> Aside from having Joe Mantegna help you get rid of a gypsy curse. <laughs> but I mean, if you got a gypsy curse, who else are you going to call? I mean, yeah. I mean, that would be the first one on my list is Joe Mantegna. It makes sense. Yeah, it's. I'm. I'm looking at my shelf, and I have the book thinner, and I have still not read it. Uh, I think I read it when I was younger, but didn't uh, finish. Didn't finish it. Mm. About halfway through, it was like me. Yeah, I still gotta. I still gotta read that. And I'm still trying to finish. I haven't got back to it. Uh, I got the collection. Of stories that includes rage, which you can't find anywhere anymore. Yeah, Bachman books. Yep. Yeah, I saw this at uh, one of those like half price book type of deals, and it was on the shelf, and I grabbed it, and I went, "Wait, does this really? Oh, it does. Okay, well, this is coming home today, and I've had yeah. it for like nine years now. <laughs> you should read it. It's good. Yeah, I got. I was like halfway through, and I'm like, "God damn, this is intense." <laughs> so, like this, I. I felt like with even at the year that was written, it's putting us like inside of what kind of happens too frequently nowadays. Mm -hmm. not, not to get uh, on a political high horse or anything. I don't want to go down that road, but yeah. Yeah. I, I read part of it at a uh, band book uh, event just because I thought it was interesting. I'm like, mm -hmm. there was a bunch of people. Um, they got together and they were like sort of reading passages from band books and they all got to pick their, you know, whichever one they want. And I got, and I picked rage and I'm like, the interesting thing about this one is the book is banned by the author. And everybody was like, Oh, wonder why. And I'm like, it's about a school shooting. And they're like, Oh, yep. Okay. That'll do it. Yeah. yeah I remember hearing about that. And I was like, well, that's probably for the best. And I commend him for doing so. He's like, yeah, this probably shouldn't be out there. It's like at the time I wrote it, I didn't think anything twice about it, but now it's like hmm, 
I don't want this falling into the wrong person's hands and glorifying something. Yeah. It's like Stephen King writes some really messed up stuff, but it's a good guy after all. <laughs> I mean, more so now, not the days where he was so coked out of his mind, like Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, but <laughs> coked out Stephen King is still kind of fun. Yeah. As is creep show Stephen King when he's playing Jordy Verrill, but <laughs> meteor shit. <laughs> Which would ask you, have you seen the uh the Just Desserts creep show making of documentary? Seen it. I own it. Okay. You're you're like me. You own it as well. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I, I picked that up when I ordered uh 42nd Street Forever on Blu-ray. So Yeah. It's uh it's a great documentary. It's you're so cre- good. If you're a creep show fan before TV series. Yeah, it was made before they made the TV series. So Yeah. Get some info about the uh first couple of creep shows. It's pretty good. Yeah, I had a good time watching that. And I at one point it was available on Screenbox. I think it might still be there. So if anyone wants to subscribe to that. You can you can watch it there, or just look on Amazon and find the Blu-ray. That's how I got it. It's really yeah. not expensive. I think I got it for like fifteen bucks. So sounds about right. Yeah, it's it's a fun watch. And Forty Second Street Forever, which I only picked up because I heard you talking about it years back. And wow, those trailers! Yeah, wow. it's totally worth it. <laughs> it's, I haven't even got through the whole thing yet. I got about halfway through and I was like, okay, I have other stuff I got to do today. <laughs> no, you don't. And then my PS4 started going jet engine. So yeah. Any, anyway, man, this is, this has been, this has been so much fun. I'm sorry. I sidetracked us at the end. They're kind of derailed us <laughs> for a bit. Whatever. But I didn't mean to keep you too long, but that's no, all good. Thank you again for coming on. It's still Toro. Like I say, you're always welcome to come on for anything. If you have any suggestions, about stuff you want to come on for, just shoot it my way. If I have anything that I think you'll be good for, we'll definitely have you back on. Yeah. Sounds so good I, to me. So I should go ahead and uh, plug away everything you got going, man. Um, yeah. I do the midnight drive-in. We do two uh, movies. Usually there's some connective tissue. Some of it may be pretty tenuous, but we try to make it fun. Um, and uh, yeah, just look for midnight drive-in wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to listen. Hopefully you uh, you enjoy it. It's a good show. I highly recommend you guys check it out. I think I think Noah is guilty of the the more tenuous <laughs> as you were saying tie-ins. Let's try to think of the actual word. It's like, oh yeah, this actor was an extra in this scene back here, and then he was an extra in this movie over here. So yeah, that's the tie-in. Like, how did you get that? <laughs> To be fair, I think all three of us have our moments. Yeah, I, I just like giving Noah a little bit of crap. He probably won't hear this, but eh, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's Noah. He deserves it. <laughs> well, all right, man. I want to thank you again. You're always welcome to come on anytime. Thanks for having me. Hopefully next time your wife won't dodge me. Hopefully. I mean, I'm trying to get her to not dodge me, so... <laughs> mm-hmm. I promise. I will talk to her ahead of time for the next one. This one just kind of came... We've been, you know, little peek behind the curtain. We've been busy getting a lot of stuff done around here, trying to get these shows in order. So, like, she's only got so much energy to do do a lot. So, I I get behind a microphone and my energy spikes. I don't know what it is. I know I'm podcasting. I can talk for hours. 
So oh, it's all good. I just like to give her crap because then if she listens to it, she'll be <laughs> like, "What the hell?" Which she will. She gets a uh, what I call the producers oh. version before we release it live, so she can go over and see if I've messed up in the editing. Nice. That's <laughs> a good right, plan. <laughs> hey, it helps me keep the the show a little more consistent. <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, thanks again, man. And until next time, you guys keep enjoying that universe. It's just a bit skewered. <laughs>